This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada ping, bada boom. Welcome to episode 127 of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the checkup with yours truly, Dr. O, along with our trailer roundup featuring HBO's new trailer for House of the Dragon. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy episode 127 of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy Duty episode 1270 TDI has arrived. This is Dr. O on the horn to start per usual. We're going through quite the heat wave in Connecticut right now along the East Coast. 95 degrees. We had a nice break with a nice thunderstorm uh, a couple hours ago. Uh, but we're here to bring the thunder today, right? We got San Diego Comic Con this weekend. Bunch of news that's coming at us over the weekend. Ricky Flex, nice to see you. How excited are you for Comic Con? I was excited before, okay? We talked about it in the most anticipated draft with Wakanda Forever, little Marvel news coming at you. But we might have potentially the biggest news of the weekend. Rumor mill is buzzing about Henry Cavill returning. Mm. And that would take over whatever, whatever Comic-Con has in store for us. I don't care if Wakanda Forever trailer is, like, amazing. If they announce Henry Cavill's return as Superman, then I everything else means nothing to me. It's like it's inconsequential. I agree. And and especially after like Marvel, like the news leading up to San Diego Comic Con seems to be a bit underwhelming. It seems that they're saving a lot of their major announcements for the D23 Expo. Uh it seems like there's gonna be a lot of like she-Hulk news, maybe a, a look, Wakanda Forever first look, maybe just images or a teaser leading up to a trailer at the D23 Expo. Fingers crossed for maybe some fantastic forecasting and maybe an announcement of a director after John Watts has departed the project. But like this is a great way for DC to kind of steal the show a little bit here, provide an outlook right for maybe the future of the DCEU, provide some clarification. And, oh, my God, that would be the biggest announcement of the weekend. If Henry Cavill was confirmed to, like, restore his role as the centerpiece of the DCEU. Like, I know there's been talks of him being, like, a Mark Ruffalo-esque type of character where he pops into several movies. But, I mean, I think it's a great idea to have him, like, star in maybe a sequel to Man of Steel. Like, restore the Man of Steel, the original, back into the DCEU. I'm... I'm more of the bandwagon. We talked about DC and how they're doing these solo projects. If you want to just completely cut yourself off from the Snyderverse, you got Ezra Miller Miller probably never coming back as the Flash. Aquaman's not doing great. Wonder Woman's not doing great. We could just do solo Superman movies like they used to do and how DC's being successful right now is solo Batman movies, solo Joker movies. That and a solo Superman, black Superman movie. Let's just do solo Henry Cavill. Keep going on that path from Man of Steel. To me, it's so funny how 
DC has looked to like disconnect themselves from the Snyderverse, but the like the pieces that they did keep around from the early origins of the origins of the DCEU have brought such such negative publicity to DC and Warner Brothers in general. We talk about uh, Ezra Miller with the Flash and his regular, almost weekly hijinks that he's getting into, and then you have like Amber Heard with obviously the public smearing that she has taken over the course of the Johnny Depp trial, which took basically the world by storm. I mean, Henry Cavill was like, he was the character of Superman. Like he represented the studio well, all right? He did exactly as he was told. He was a model, upright citizen. To me, he was like a Chris Evans for the DCEU. He was Superman on screen, but he's also Superman off screen, right? People admire him and like his behavior. And uh, I think it's not a bad move just to bring him back because he was – like he first of all he deserves a sequel in my opinion i rewatched man of steel last night in anticipation of a potential announcement of his return as superman and like it's he got robbed so badly of this role like he got he had to play second fiddle in the batman versus superman movie he was killed at the end of batman versus superman justice league movie he finally gets to be a part of that it's only in the last uh, act of the movie like he really got a raw deal like it would be i guess justice right pun intended for him to come back into the dceu and be a centerpiece he deserves it he he definitely deserves it i think i think just to kind of pivot back to what you're saying about the mark ruffalo comment this is superman the reason why i we both agree that if henry cavill's return to the D, to dc or dceu whatever it is is confirmed this weekend it's because not just because it's crazy how like the internet probably forced them to do this similar to the Snyder cut, but it's because it's the character of Superman, arguably the biggest comic book character of all time, mm-hmm. probably the biggest, to be honest, even though it doesn't look like that in the 21st century with obviously Spider-Man and Batman kind of taking over, but Superman pre 21st century is definitely the biggest. So that, that is also probably why it's the biggest news of the weekend. It's just so weird. If, it's a Mark Ruffalo. Like he never, he's not the main centerpiece of DC of the universe. It's it, that would just be very odd. To me, that is another example of DC trying to borrow ideas from Marvel. It doesn't really fit into their plans. Like Hulk is in this type of situation because the rights aren't owned completely by Marvel Studios, right? So like it's like Universal character with Hulk. If Hulk wants a solo movie, it has to be through Universal, right? It creates a whole. Uh, it like creates a huge dilemma in terms of incorporating Hulk into the MCU in terms of his own projects. However, like Superman is DC. DC is Superman. So, and if you're having the success with Batman and Joker, two of the most iconic characters in the history of comic books and cinema, you gotta like take advantage of what you have with Henry Cavill. You're not gonna find someone who's more suited for the role. I know there's been this like, uh, I guess directive for like more diverse characters within the dceu right we have the black superman project produced by michael b jordan but also i mean you are you have it right in front of you like and if you're worried about continuity you're worried about going back to the dceu i think dc's already proven they don't care about any of that so there's no reason why you can't bring him back no rhyme or reason to it just let us do it you know and just like this is what the fans want this is what comic-con's all about you know, and having these exciting announcements that gets the fans jolted, like seeing him potentially take the stage, even just an announcement being made about him, that's incredibly exciting where he's going to quote, quote unquote, talk up more Superman. I'm a big continuity guy, right? 
but so like so I'm in favor of scrapping Aquaman. I'm in favor of scratch scrapping Wonder Woman unless like they bring back Zack Snyder. I don't like trying to mix in these new DC EU characters with them. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan. But if you're telling me it's just going to be solo projects, it's already a, like D- we already talked about it with Joker too. If they're just going to continue doing these solo projects, we now know there's going to be a DC universe, but also a DC EU. We know that going forward now. Now we understand that it's no longer confusing to us. So let's just keep doing that because now we have that continuity that there is no continuity. So I'm completely fine. Bringing you can Henry do whatever back. you want. Just like yeah. bring him back. Who cares? That's, you know, I think that's what Marvel's problem is now. Like not to bring this in Marvel. They, they've set that precedent. Marvel's a little bit different where it's like they are so well known for this continuity and keeping it so tight and not making any of, I guess, uh, recognizable errors in their projects. Right. They're just so like. You have to do this Feige control, right? Has he's the only one who knows the future of the X-Men. He's going to control what happens, how they're mentioned, yada, yada, yada. DC, a little more loosey-goosey. Just play to your strengths, baby. Oh, I can't hear you. My mic turned off. Can you hear me now? Frank Guy or T-Mobile or whatever this guy's working for now. Uh, It's so so weird how Marvel, like you were just talking about how like DC, like, the Mark Ruffalo comment, like DC's been trying to like take, like they've been looking to Marvel, trying to battle with Marvel. Like think about they, I know in your blog that you wrote, you talked about them rushing the Batman, Superman and the justice league to compete, compete with the Avengers. And now you're talking about the Mark Ruffalo aspect with Superman. It's like DC's always looked at Marvel saying, Oh, we got to like do what's Marvel doing. Or, oh, we got to compete with Marvel. But Marvel, I think not, not, not a, not to try to like, put words in their mouth but i think they're jealous that dc has the balls to or the guts to make a joker <laughs> like, you know that's to do that get recognition at the oscars where they can't get that recognition get and they don't have to be tied down to a universe they don't have to be tied down to these theories and one single unular franchise and tv shows that all have to intertwine together because that's what the fans expect i bet they're jealous now in 2022 Saying that now versus 2019, three years ago, Endgame never would have said. But now they definitely are jealous because they, they clearly in phase four here cannot control it. And then when you look at the strengths of DC compared to Marvel, like what is the one thing everyone points to, right? And if you're not a well-versed comic book fan, you might not get this. But even though like Marvel's had a longer string of like, continuity and a lot of different characters having their own solo projects it's been widely known other than like batman and superman dc has the longer i guess uh, more in-depth catalog of characters and villains to explore so just take advantage of what those characters are rather than like making one whole story that's continuous like you have superman and there's so many villains that are in this catalog that can be explored like put henry cavill at the center of like a brainiac movie you know, do like a maybe Henry Cavill, like is like he's a pretty versatile actor, right? Seems like he can do more than just like the big buff action hero, even though that's what he's accustomed to. Do like a bizarro movie where he plays like almost an evil type of Superman alongside his own, like kind of like what Ezra Miller is kind of lining up to do in The Flash. Let's have like Henry Cavill do that because, first of all, he deserves it more than Ezra Miller, right? And I think he's capable of pulling something like that off. The only thing, Ricky Flicks. Something that throws a uh, a wrench in these plans. Right now, this is a rumor that Henry Cavill is going to show up. But what is he doing currently? He is shooting Witcher Season 3 in the UK right now. 
So making it very difficult for him to all of a sudden pick up his things and show up at San Diego Comic-Con, then head back to the UK. In my opinion, Ricky Flex, that he will be showing up and he will make the trek because this is so big. I think if this is a rumor that is true, then I think it's Superman. Like no matter what, not just Henry Cavill, the showrunner and director of The Witcher will let him go. Like he will let him yeah. go for a weekend. Like it's not even like whoever's saying that matters. It doesn't. What matters is if this rumor is actually true. And I guess these are concrete rumors, which is like the scary part because deadlines reporting it. Deadline. It's kind of crazy how these rumors are concrete because, like, usually you hear like some load of crap about stuff like this all the time. And it's just like whatever, but like this is actually like real. Like, it's just it's so weird. People are saying that it matters about The Witcher. It doesn't. What matters is if he actually does show up this weekend, which right now I put at 50 50. I, I think it's, I, I would put it like a 60 60 40 that he shows up. And I also think that. It's almost like when Pattinson, remember when he was working with Nolan on Tenet and he left Tenet to go like audition for the Batman. Then he gets a call about the Batman and Nolan knew what he was doing the entire time. But like he was trying to be discreet about it. The whole world knows about Henry Cavill potentially being back as Superman. So it's like the guy who did The Witcher, like the guy who runs The Witcher, yo, you wouldn't have Henry Cavill if he was never Superman. And like he knows like the importance of that character. And I think it builds into the unexpectedness and like almost like the magic of Comic-Con and how like these actors are willing to do whatever it takes for these fans if they're actually committed to the role. And Henry Cavill's been somebody who's been committed to Superman. He's not someone that's in and out and like been lazy about the role. He showed a lot of pride and humility, right? He's shown commitment to the character. Bring it back, baby. And if we're getting like these projects like Batgirl, a potential Supergirl project, we have Blue Beetle that just wrapped filming. We get Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Like, what do fans want to see? They want to see Superman. We just got a banger of a Batman movie. We got a follow up to an Academy, Academy Award nominated Best Picture with Joker coming up with the Joker sequel. Let's go. Let's go. Superman's next. I. I do have one last comment just to kind of end this because I there's no actual rumors. This is just my brain thinking. So Zack Snyder coming back to direct a Man of Steel 2, not happening. I can almost confirm. Who was a, a producer on that film or executive producer? For which film? Man of Steel? Yeah. You say it. Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan, if he ever wanted to come back to to do a superhero movie to like man of steel is really good i think the visuals as well is very good if christopher nolan wanted to do a superhero uh superman trilogy or at least just one solo movie that would be pretty remarkable and again it's a segue it's kind of the reason why i bring it up but it's that would be pretty awesome he produced that movie too he wasn't an executive producer he had hands on that movie that was made a year after right the dark knight rises was released in 2012 anniversary i think was yesterday for the dark knight rises by the way i think it was 10 year anniversary um yeah so i guess i would be okay with it but i think this is a great segue going into our next topic dude we have we're getting an unexpected teaser reportedly for oppenheimer right a world war ii story on the manhattan project starring killian murphy matt damon emily blunt florence Pugh. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and a slew of other actors. We had a poster that came out, a uh, pretty badass looking poster for such a nerd like, like J. Robert Oppenheimer. Uh, you got Killian Murphy at the forefront. The only character there, we got the explosion of the atom bomb behind him. 
And so before Nope, there's going to be a teaser for Oppenheimer, which just wrapped filming, I want to say, a month or two ago. Uh, I guess, what are your thoughts on the both the poster and the idea of seeing this trailer at, at like a year before it's due, uh, the movie's due to come out? If this movie lives up to the hype, that poster will be an all-time poster. Like, that, move, that poster was pretty sick. So that's first. First things first, poster Yo. sick. The poster, I was shocked it wasn't black and white because we saw that black and white image right. close up. I was like, okay, we're getting a black and white poster. And seeing like the huge bomb behind him, like, oh my God, this is going to be like a Nolan movie, even though it's a biopic, you know? Yeah, yeah. Th that poster screams Christopher Nolan movie, not biopic. So mm -hmm. love that. I Now, not to kind of intertwine this, but reading the salaries today, all the oh, salaries that came yeah. out. What, by the way, why did all these salaries come out this week? Like, who reported all these? Like, who knows all these salaries for all these movies? Ricky, like, you, Ricky, Ricky Flex, you're the business insider of this podcast. I like this is my question for you, not your question for me. I, I just, I just don't know. There was no sources. People were just like reporting these out, but no. Is this the end of a quarter? Are we at the end of a quarter? Uh, no, that was June. But a lot of earnings seasons are coming out, so. So but, this is why this is why but, I but no you. but only netflix reported so far like not as if they you count them as a student netflix has some interesting numbers too different numbers but we can talk about that later but the reason i bring it up is like rdj emily blunt matt damon all took pay cuts to do this movie just so they could all be in it and, and expand their cast that says something to me tom brady's they they're they're, they're cutting salaries to get under the salary cap so they Team can first. all be in this movie because they've all read the script script they trust Christopher Nolan hashtag do your job and they trust Killian Murphy leading the charge here I think I think that tells a lot so not how much does Killian Murphy get paid do you think so we what, what so those those three guys Damon Blunt and uh, Donnie Jr made what four mil from this four million each oh my god it ain't jump change but yeah we get it so like but they uh, they they could have asked for like ten mil plus. That 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 was that's insanity. And what do you think? Kill, Kelly Murphy probably had to lead probably like ten mil, right? I actually don't know. I, Six maybe if he wants to like pull a Brady. I think he would have it. He can, I don't think it would be much. He might do four too. I, I I honestly don't think he cares. I think he just needed a lead on a movie. If anything, he might be less than these people. Uh, these people because there's such bigger names. I was going to say, like, because Robert Downey Jr. was the one that shocked me when I saw that he was making $4 million for this movie. I thought that was a lot because I didn't expect him to be in much of this movie at all. You know? Really? Oh, my like, God. But after, like, I, after a couple weeks ago, we saw those on-set photos of him in the garb, right, where he's got, like, the, the white wig. He's got the glasses. He's got the suspenders going. A lot of like 1930s going on in the look of Robert Downey Jr. And there's also some rumors that he's going to be obese. There's going to go through like a little character transformation for this role as well. Like those pictures surfaced on Twitter. No one knew if they were photoshopped or not. I think there's going to be a big reveal when we see this trailer, when we go see Nope. And we'll make sure to report that. I assume it's going to be released like within the next two weeks. It's a teaser. So the teaser – to, to 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 interrupt you, sorry, doctor. Go ahead. What that told me was not only is that sick, but it just says like movie theaters are not only back, but like I missed that about movie theaters. Two How of the best innovative directors of their time, creative, unique ideas. Peel, Nolan, like teaming up. Like we love movie theaters. We're trying to like we are we are cinema. We're no IP bandits. You know, we do we do our thing. They're, they're just like cowboy cinemas, you know, cowboy, cowboy, 
directors. But like, I, I love how we're seeing the trailer for the first time at a movie theater, not online. That's so sick. I miss that like so Avatar. much. Like Avatar, I was thinking the same thing. Avatar before Doctor Strange. And like, everyone's like, ooh, uh, like Oppenheimer might be like, holy crap. Like, I am looking forward to this almost more than nope. Like, <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, no, it's going to be cool. Uh, the poster is amazing, as we said. Just to go over a couple more salaries that were released for whatever reason, Tom Hardy making 20 mil for Venom 3. Uh, this is his cash cow, no doubt about it. Uh, this is one uh, we always want to say he has a lot of passion for, right? This is a superhero project. He has very much hands-on. I think he helps write these movies, produces them. Yeah. Um, I, I was kind of thinking like 20 million he is very hands-on, passionate about it. Like, what are the odds like he was gonna actually direct Venom 3? I thought there would also be a chance that he would do that. Cause I don't think he's ever directed before. Last time uh, Venom 2, who directed that, let there be Carnage, Andy Circus. You know, so like actors like stepping into the director's chair. This could be the one that Hardy does, you know. Almost feels like there's almost a destiny where like Ryan Reynolds eventually directs a Deadpool movie because he already does so right now and he knows everything you need to know about that character. That's like a prediction I would have. So about uh twenty million dollars is so much, bro. And what do you think about those comments too? Was it was it uh Paramount? No, who said it? Uh, who it said it? who paved? Is Sony uh, made the comments that uh, Venom paved the way for Top Gun to become a billion dollar movie? What do you think about those comments? Yeah, absolutely preposterous. Like yes, Sony did do very. Uh, sorry, Sony. Well, Sony did, but Venom two did do very well at the box office, especially not during the heart of the pandemic, but definitely during uh, Delta variant uh, before Omicron. Uh, definitely did very well during a time where like boosters weren't even happening yet. Made over like I think over a hundred million domestically. Did very well. Um, movies were at a low. Movies yeah, were at a low. They were at a low, and it did do extremely well. But like, still, like that didn't bring movie theaters back. Like Spider Man No Way Home. If you had to give anyone credit, they should give Sony should give credit to No Way Home. Uh, I and of course they wouldn't because then Spider-Man and Marvel issues right there. So of course they would lean towards Venom solely a Sony property or same as Spider-Man, but you know what I mean? Um, Yeah. Just absolute preposterous statement. I I definitely think Top Gun isn't people that say Top Gun brought movie theater back movie theaters back. I disagree. I definitely think no way home. Just I think Top clear. Gun like defied superhero movies, like went against yes. a couple of superhero movies and proved that you don't have to be a major superhero project to make a billion dollars or a Jurassic World or a Jurassic Park franchise, right? To make a billion dollars. The fact that it was a legacy sequel to a 1986 movie that made a billion dollars, so impressive. So impressive. They did that because of the star power of Tom Cruise and the, the, the power of a classic like Top Gun. You know, those are the reasons and also the the magic of cinema and the magic of the effects of that film and like the real feel that it truly had. The lack of CGI made this a billion dollar movie compared to the Marvel and the DCs and the Jurassic World, Jurassic Parks of the world that leaned so heavily right on non-practical effects that really defied everything that came before it. That's why it's so special. Yeah, I completely agree. It's more not so much for movie theaters. It's more so towards superhero movies where it defied it, like you said. I can't. I couldn't agree more. You like that word defied? No, I, feel, I, I did. Felt, I did like. It. I had to mention it. Oh yeah, yeah. I felt proud of that one. In my brain, it was just like clapping. It was like, nice jump. All right. Uh, to go over a couple more of these salaries, just because like it's uh, to me, it's just so interesting to look at what stars are being paid for what type of movie. Uh, who else? Who else is a part of the twenty million dollar? 
uh, boys club here. We got, <laughs> I just think of like, after I said that, I think of billionaire, billionaire boys club. Boys yeah. club. Uh, so Joaquin Phoenix, 20 mil for Joker two, as expected coming off a best picture win for Joker. You're going to have to pay him a buttload of money in order, in order to make a sequel. The and then you're going to try, you got to try and sell him the fact that yeah, a billion dollars at the box office. You're going to sell him on the fact that he's going to be making a musical for Joker two alongside Lady Gaga's Harley Quinn. Wonder how much Lady Gaga's making, by the way. That's also in my head right now. But also, we talked about it last week, right? One of they probably the last, I guess the youngest pure, like A-list powerhouse actor that we have that's not connected to major IP. Leonardo DiCaprio paid $20 million for Killers of the Flower Moon. Okay. So once again, Venom 3, someone makes $20 million. Joker 2, someone makes $20 million. But a Apple TV release from martin scorsese someone's getting paid 20 million dollars it almost feels like leo's entering that like late brando stage where he's just like he's like, people are just gonna throw a wheelbarrow full of money at him to do anything and, you know and not only people streamers yeah and probably not netflix because netflix struggling for cash now uh but apple prime i wouldn't be surprised to see a prime video leo movies in the near future just throw throw him a bag um god like twenty million for adapting a book, like a drama, like I, that's just shocking to me. Because like, if you think about this, someone else that's attached to IP, non superhero, that's my like twenty four, twenty five. Timothy Chalamet, Wonka. nine million for yeah. Wonka, half of what Leo got, and he's only twenty four, twenty five, whatever. But that's still to IP. Oh yeah, like, that, well, that, like you're playing one of the most iconic cinematic characters ever, you right? Know? So it's just it's amazing how Leo still like commands twenty mil, like minimum for a probably. character we don't even know yet. You know, it's just it's <laughs> it, just like, okay, we we know Leonardo DiCaprio is going to be worth this money, and he was you know? arguably it, it was a rumored to be not even the lead uh, in this movie, which we've already talked about. Like that's insane too. So this is like what I'm talking about. It's so fascinating when you look at a movie, like you said, a streamer non-ip scorsese movie a little bit of an artsy fartsy obviously getting paid 20 million dollars like imagine having that star power it's like no one else can do this literally no one else can do this unless you are a joaquin who's obviously a part of major ip here tom hardy like third movie on venom he's kind of like his pay rate he's kind of gotten that that he's established that like that level of pay you know based on like the, mm -hmm. uh, the establishment of the franchise how successful it's been so uh, and how profitable obviously so that's fascinating you got margot roby gosling also paid 12 and a half million each for barbie uh seems right on par seems like that movie's gonna make a lot of money bro that's gonna make a lot of money i was literally thinking uh so like where i work they used to do this box office game where like you guess how much money uh, like at the beginning of the year, like January 1st, you have like 20 movies that you put on a list. And this everyone... is your work. This is your work work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work work. And you like guess each movie, like how much they'll make at the box office at in that year. And that includes like December releases. Like domestically worldwide. Like what is it? Uh, domestically, I think. So like I was thinking like, oh, my God, Barbie versus Op if I had to project how much Barbie's going to make. Like, I actually think that is going to make an absurd amount of money, like hundreds of millions. Yeah, I would say like, I would minimum say over, $700 million. I was, I was going to say over under 550 I would say over. Oh, but I think, yeah. I, I think right now with only set photos, the hype is, is we're still exactly a year away from this movie. That That's a lot to overcome. We have no trailers yet. 
but I say the over under right now would be 550 with it like leaning towards going higher, as you mentioned, the 700 marker. Again, it's Barbie. The only other Barbie we've seen, it's like animated TV show, smaller content. This is larger scale, first time ever, really. So it should be interesting to see how much further this could go, this hype train could go up. I'm so fascinated by the Barbie movie, dude. So fast, not just by the cast, but the release date, same day as Oppenheimer. Is that going to take away from both of the earnings of each movie? I and think then- it takes away from Oppenheimer. I think people are going to want to oh, see Barbie I, oh, first. I, but this is also what I'm talking about, like, Barbie, look, what is the target demographic for this movie? People talk about this script being the best script that they've ever seen or have seen in literally a decade, right? Is this appropriate for like a five-year-old who has Barbie dolls, like who wants to go see Barbie and they see Margot Robbie in a still? Are they going to be able to go see this movie? Is a, is not five, that's a little young, but like an seven, eight, eight. nine-year-old, you know, like we were seeing PG-13 movies when we were seven, eight, and nine. Like, is that possible for like in this movie, you know, is I it take on more adult themes? Right. And so it's just like Barbie, you think of the kids' toy. Like, is it gonna be applicable for kids? Is it gonna be also maybe too adult? Like it's just like, okay, where is it gonna where is its butter bread? You know, where is that gonna be? Uh I'm just fascinated by it. But I think now that I said seven hundred, the fact that they're going against one another, I'm I'll probably go down to six hundred. Now I'm thinking about it in terms of how mm. much they're gonna make. But I think that's gonna be one of the we talked about this already, one of the most fascinating same day releases ever. Ever, I think, ever, ever. You know what I think the bigger fight is? I think it's what do you see? I know me and you are both gonna see this both that weekend. It's what do you what are we gonna see first? Double feature. Um no, I, but I, you have to watch one of them first. What are you gonna Oppenheimer? Pick? Like it's Nolan over Gerwig. That's you know, me. Just because, like, what's the better like cinema experience? You're going inside a movie theater, you gotta see Oppenheimer first. Especially after seeing this poster, it's still gonna be a Nolan movie, even though it's a biopic. Okay, so we're on the same we're on we're on the same uh, team for that one too. I I would pick Oppenheimer myself. No one's my favorite director of all time. I think though the general public, Barbie's gonna make more. Yeah, Barbie's gonna make more money in the opening weekend. I think it's gonna destroy it to be honest. Like Margot Robbie, you know, probably the biggest actress on the planet right now. Gosh, God, right? Hasn't done a movie in a little bit, except for obviously Gray Man coming out this week. Mm. Uh, we we're review next week coming alongside Nope. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 gonna be interesting. Moving along here with the checkup, Kurt Russell, the Russells, Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell are gonna start together in the Godzilla spinoff series. That's gonna that's coming to Apple TV Plus. This is connected to the Godzilla Godzilla Kong franchise, okay, uh, Kong Skull Island franchise uh, that's hit theaters over the last few years. There's a synopsis that's set for this uh, show. The Untitled series is set in the aftermath of the battle between Godzilla and the Titans that decimated San Francisco as depicted in Godzilla, which launched the film franchise. It will follow a family's journey to uncover its buried secrets and a legacy linking them to the secret organization known as Monarch. Did they make a mistake in this synopsis? Are they talking about King of the Monsters? No, they're talking about, uh, no, because uh, San follow, Francisco, when, when 2014. Oh, San Francisco, that part. Yeah. But like, when, I was thinking like Battle of Titans. I was thinking Godzilla. They also battled in 2014. Did they? Yeah. I remember. I thought it was I just saw, a one-on-one. I saw it twice one. in theaters. I love that movie. I remember, I remember back, seeing like. Not nearly as good. Remember, didn't I see it with you and Christian? That, was my, Christian? Second, that was my second time seeing it. And like seeing Cranston die. Like what the hell? <laughs> like I, I, I thought that movie was so much better than it actually. That's like one where it's like similar to Jurassic World. I'm like, holy shit. That movie might have been better than like the original. What? Really? I, I came out of that movie saying like, eh. 
Like, like I no, didn't think it was that great. The first time I saw it, the first time oh, I really? saw it, I was like, Same wow, way that was for, a, like that was awesome. I understand, like that's a good comparison. Like Jurassic World, you know, it's just like these monster type movies, and you're coming <laughs> right. out of that, you think it's such a spectacle. You see blue fire, and you're like, all of a sudden, you like lose five brain cells, and you're like, that's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I guess, what do you think about? I, let's start with Kurt, Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell like teaming up. This is a cool combination. I think they've only done one other movie together. Uh, I think it's called Soldier that they've done. I think Wyatt Russell played a younger version of his father in the movie. That's a great idea. And I think Wyatt Russell plays an amazing soldier in most films. Like he's done, obviously, uh, MCU. He's played John Walker. He's played in Overlord, which is a movie, an underrated movie, I think, when, or at least underappreciated. It's not really talked about as much, like World War II zombie movie, mm-hmm. like Chernobyl-esque, you know, almost, uh, even though it's that's more like Cold War, obviously. But uh, what do you think? Weird. I th- uh, oh well the the combo. Not <laughs> That's very cool. The answer, I was like, what? We just talked about cool. This is. Wait, sorry. What do you think? I'll, Weird. I'll, <laughs> wait, uh, sorry. I thought you were asking about. Like Doctor, all right, you're blowing smoke up my butt right now. <laughs> restart. Restart. To answer your Russell's, question, I'll, Russell fan. I'll, I'll wait to have my general comments later. The Russells together. It's awesome. That's something that I've always wanted to see Denzel and John David Washington do, which I think we will get someday. Um. But the Russells, I feel like they, they, Kurt Russell's on that little, like, kind of comedic, like, I'm trying, what I'm trying to say. Like, he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He came back as Mr. Nobody in the Fast Saga. He did another movie, like the Chronicle Santa Claus movies for Netflix. He did another one of those. But he hasn't been doing much lately ever since Hateful Eight. He's been doing, like, these mini roles or I playing I love him in the Hateful Eight, bro. That's one of my favorite Kurt right. Russell's John the so, Hangman Ruth. Are you my favorite character in that movie? I'll say it is my favorite character in that movie. You know how much I love that movie? Yeah, I think that would be mine as well. If not, it would be Ruth. But um, it, it would be uh, – what's her name? Uh, uh, yeah, Daisy Domergue. Yeah, Daisy Domergue. I like Walt Goggins also. Sorry, Trent, like tangent. Go ahead. Side tangent, Walter Goggins. So, underrated actor in Hollywood for sure. Vice principles. <laughs> but uh, going back to the Russells here, very cool. Uh, I would say, like, it's just weird because, like, both, like, I just talked about Russell, Kurt Russell's career recently, past few years. White Russell, like, 22 Jump Street, right? And then another thing was like everybody wants some in 2018, I want to say. And then like you mentioned his other projects right there, a lot of action oriented. He was just in Under the Banner of Heaven, which I thought he was the best part about. Did not get an Emmy, not not or anything. But he I should have, bro. He should have got an Emmy. I do think yeah. he was the best performance in that series, and that includes Andrew Garfield. I do think that I go to my grave to that. He's so good. Um, so he's on the up and up. I was not. I I was hoping he would make the leap from Falcon, uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier, Marvel TV series, uh, Under the Banner of Heaven, Andrew Garfield, formerly Spider Man, TV series, to kind of take that next step. And this doesn't do that. But I think putting this together is like, hey, this is the opportunity to work with my dad, a legend, and in a Godzilla spinoff. This will be seen by a lot of people, even though it's on Apple. Apple's on the up and up. By the time this comes out, they'll even be further. And I think Godzilla, which we've already talked about as well, is also like they're getting another movie and that's going to keep going. That franchise is going to continue to keep going. So I think that this is actually going to benefit them, even though I think for Wyatt Russell, I would have liked to see him do something differently, but you had to jump on this chance. 
just feels like a bunch of these projects that are res- like a part of this monsters like universe where you think of like Kong, you think Godzilla, King of the Monsters, like Godzilla vs Kong. They don't feel that connected in my opinion. And I think this TV show actually brings some legitimacy to this universe where it's like, okay, now we're going to a point from Godzilla vs Kong to an actual TV show to help actually fill in the blanks a little bit, right? Connect this movie to the next, all right? Add some interconnectivity that I don't really, I didn't really feel like to me when I saw Godzilla vs Kong, it's not like I was like, oh, Kong Skull Island. It was like, naturally, I care about that movie because I'm seeing Godzilla vs Kong. I'm seeing Godzilla vs Kong because I want to see Godzilla vs Kong. It's like almost like you didn't care about phase one of the MCU. You didn't care about Thor or like Iron Man. You just wanted to see the Avenger movie. You know, you didn't care what came before it. That's how I felt watching Godzilla Kong. You know, personally, like, obviously I love the MCU. I'm talking about like a non-Marvel fan who's just like, I don't care about those movies. Look at all these freaking heroes and superstars. Let's watch this movie. That was me for Godzilla first Kong. It's like, turn your brain off type thing, you know, enjoy your franchise movie. So I think this does bring a little legitimacy and like having the Russells here, you brought up like white Russell very much on the rise right now. And it's kind of weird that he's picking a TV show at this time, but you nailed it, bro. He's doing it like to work with his dad. And his dad has been a part of some major IP over the years, whether they talk about Marvel and you talked about Fast and Furious. Like he's been a part of a lot of like, he's almost like reaching that point in his career where it's like he's cashing in. He's just having fun doing these roles rather than doing things like, it was just like uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, 40th anniversary, literally a couple weeks ago. And I think I'm going to recommend that also for this weekend for any um, of the listeners on the Friday night recs that we're going to put out, the weekend streaming recs. But it seems like he's just moving on, having fun. This is an opportunity for him to be with his son in one of these fun projects, you know? Wyatt Russell also, you know what I'm thinking? Like, Maya Hawk, like Ethan Hawk, Uma Thurman's daughter. There's much talk about Uma Thurman. And we saw, um, excuse me, Maya Hawk. She was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, potentially being in, like, the next Tarantino movie, like, I think a great next step for Wyatt Russell, maybe he's a part of Tarantino's final movie, dude, just because That's he has what we're that, talking about. It's that, that legacy type of acting and Tarantino loves these families that he continuously works with. It's almost like, like paying tribute to like cinema in general, the next generation here, they come giving them opportunities. I think that would be cool too. Like you, you and Maya Hawk and Wyatt Russell, like two of like their parents obviously collaborate so much with Tarantino, put them in their next movie. But like, I don't think this is going to deter him at all. Like why Russell is going to be like the head of the Thunderbolts, which is getting their own movie, you know? From yeah. Marvel. I, I love, so one of the reasons why I love this podcast, even though we are like, like talking to you about movies in this podcast, is like thinking about these like hypotheticals. Mm-hmm. What I kind of, what I like to think of Wyatt Russell, who I want him to work with, how, where did he get his breakthrough? Okay. I would say his breakthrough was Black Mirror, personally. Wow. Going that far back, Black Mirror, his own solo episode where he was like basically the only actual person in the, in the show. I didn't see episode. that episode, dude. I would personally say that's, that is his breakout, in my opinion. I would like to pair him up, not necessarily as a lead, maybe, but a significant supporting character with Jordan Peele. Wow. Oh, my God. I think he could excel as a Jordan Peele villain or just uh, like, like he was in under the banner of heaven. He would have been great in get out. <laughs> not, maybe not get out, but uh, he would have, think- dude, no, no, no. He would have been, you know, what was that guy's name? The crazy brother. He would have been a great. Oh like, yeah. He would have been. Oh my God. That was like him man. under the banner of heaven. Like he was yes. like a very similar character. 
but yeah, that guy's a menacing and like he would be amazing in a Jordan Peele movie, I feel like. So that's like the person I would think of. But to be honest, the spectacle of Maya Hawk and him in a Tarantino movie, that would be pretty that would be pretty wild. Like Tarantino's an expert at like gaining excitement outside of the movie itself and like gaining excitement from the actors and the names and the star power. And that's a great way to do it. Imagine if like the parents were somehow in the movie too. Could be special. Uh, all right. How do I, Adam Scott, I'll bring him up because you like, you're a big severance guy. I want, I'm about to start, start the show. He's been cast alongside, right? The trio of Dakota Johnson, Sydney Sweeney and Emma Roberts for Madam Webb for the Sony's Spider-Man universe there. Um, what do you think about Adam Scott entering the superhero game? My my first thought was good for him. Good for him. Uh, this I don't know if this will ever be more than one movie, so he doesn't have to attach himself to it. I think he's on the up and up after Severance. If you haven't watched Severance, you have to watch. Uh, you don't have to watch Severance, but like it's one of the best shows on television. Definitely better than. Uh, whew, that's actually a hot take. My, but I, I'll still say it. Makes a lot of top ten lists. I, I would say. I would say top five show uh, of this year for me that I've seen for sure. Um, like after the boys, I would say, I, I would say severance above stranger things. Like I know okay. the hype around stranger things is like different. The phenomenon that it is, I can't compare it to that, but like quality wise severance is better. So I'm excited to watch it then. Like I, but, I, I um, want, I want to do a back to back. I want to do severance and the bear. The bear is one that's getting so much hype right now, bro. I think yeah, we should I was just, yeah. Have a discussion I was talking about to my pod. friend Steven, and he watched the bear. He watches the bear, and he likes it a lot. And I trust he's the one yeah. that recommended severance to me, so I trust him. Good so taste. I might have to give it. A, I might have to give it. I a interrupted go. you though. Keep no, going. so good for him. But to be honest, like I just see him as like a Martin Freeman character in Black Panther. You know, that's kind of how I see him. <laughs> or he's gonna be a cop. Yeah, a cop or like that. Like he's part of the FBI or like. A shield unit you know and like i was thinking like stephen graham and venom i'm like that's like that's what he's gonna be <laughs> that's pretty you know? good so yeah um uh, let me just run through a couple more like stories here and then we'll go on to the trailer roundup we got a couple exciting trailers here mortal kombat 2 it's happening simon mccoy is returning to direct after returning the uh after directing excuse me the first one Netflix, we talked about uh, lost almost a million subscribers in quarter two, 970,000. Netflix is now forecasting they will gain 1 million subscriptions during quarter three. I assume a lot of that has to do with Stranger Things, though, you know, the newest season. Uh, Bradley Cooper returning as Rocket Raccoon for Disney Plus's I Am Groot series. Yeah, he probably did a day's worth of work for it. And then something really quick I want to talk about because I love these guys, the Please Don't Destroy guys from SNL, right? They're from YouTube fame previously. Ben Marshall, John Higgins, and Martin Hurley are going to write and star in their own buddy comedy for Universal with Judd Apatow set to produce. Film coming August 18th, 2023, next year in theaters. Do you watch the Please Don't Destroy videos? Yeah, they're, they're the best part of SNL now. I Easily. Think, I think they were definitely better on their own. But now, but like just like with the celebrities that they get, they're they get so many views. It's just unbelievable what they do now. Judd Apatow producing, I think yeah. that's the big story here. I don't think it's them getting a movie. I think it was inevitable they were going to get something, whether it was a show or a movie. But Judd Apatow, arguably the best comedic uh, producer of all time, being attached to them, I think that is like telling saying because like Judd Apatow, who you think he got like Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen. Like all like Michael Sarah, like he's gotten uh, Jason Siegel, like so many of these young and upcoming uh, comedic actors. He basically like gave them like their huge breakout, right? 
So these could, it could be these guys' huge breakout. Oh, that yeah. could be awesome. You know, it kind of reminds me of the Workaholics guys when they when Netflix threw in the bag for a movie. But I think these guys are fun. Like, I, actually, I don't know, man. I love Workaholics. That show was so funny. That show think, was so funny, bro. Yeah, I think in Workaholics is prime. They are much funnier than these guys. But I think what's different is that these like guys those are different yeah. Workaholics has like no structure around it. You know, like there are a bunch. There's three guys that live in California that like to smoke weed and are telemarketers. These guys like a little, lot more I, raunchy. You know, yeah. These guys like I feel like with Judd Apatow here, they're saying, hey, like we want to take a serious step, not just be funny. Like we want to like actually put our names ourselves on the market. Like, you know, Adam Devine, you know, Blake, whatever his last name is. I don't know his last name. And, uh, uh, crap. Anders. Anders. Durs. Durs. Yeah. But like, you don't even know their names. Like really, like I was struggling there and like their movie. And they tried to hit it on their own. They separated. Then like, like Adam Devine hit it, but everybody else is kind of like, yeah. Did he really hit it though? Well, he's, he's, he's been a joke in every movie. Like as in like righteous gemstones, like he's doing pretty well. He's he's got his, he's getting his own spinoff for the pitch. Perfect franchise. Like he's doing pretty well. Right. Durs was in like the intern cheated on Anne Hathaway. Like, yeah, he's not doing that great. I guess when I think I'm thinking of like Seth Rogen, I'm comparing them to Seth Rogen and like all these like these guys are amazing writers, dude. They really are. And I like combining with Apatow is cool. And I think like if you watch their old YouTube stuff, YouTube stuff, it's much funnier, right? Yeah. Than their like SNL stuff because SNL stuff, it's hard because you got to You're right. You have to center your story around a guest. You got to make sure you're like it's the same type of comedy. You only have Topics a week today. You have a week to write it. Like it's very much like on pressure stuff. The YouTube stuff, it takes like, they take their time. Okay. Let's make this skit. This is this, but SNL, I think they still are like literally the funniest thing about that show. So the fact that they're trying to dis- distance themselves from SNL to me, that's important, you know? And that shows like good, you know, and Judd Apatow kind of coming off like the bubble, obviously a bomb on Netflix, you know, didn't like obviously getting kind of like review bombed everywhere. Ricky cuts it off and like does the cutoff right when he's talking about it off with its head. Uh, I, I'm excited for Apatow because he's also doing, I think, bros with um, Billy Eichner. I think mm-hmm. that movie's going to be funny. I, I think it's like it's very good at make it look trailer makes it look like it's going to be open to making fun of our culture today and woke type of culture. And then it also provides some like obvious like diversity to it, you know, and Billy Eichner literally is like one of the funniest dudes alive, you know, man on the street type comedy, probably the best to ever do it. Yeah, I completely agree with all your comments, except I would say the only two things that worry me of that movie is one, they showed a lot in the trailer, like a lot, like they kind of showed the movie, (laughs) like to be honest. Yeah. You Um, would assume, right. um, And two, it's like Billy Eichner is playing like the, all right, I'm not gonna say that, but like, uh, he's playing like the serious character. Like, I don't know. Like, Were you gonna say the straight man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a straight uh, you, gay guy. You know what I mean, though. Like, he's usually like in Parks and Rec. He's the outlandish, like nah, yelling in your face, comic relief. He's gonna bring the laughs, dude. I think the, the 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 male, the partner is gonna be the straight guy. Like in terms of like, like he's not bringing the laughs. He's there to bring the looks and like kind of for Billy Eichner like, to like play off. I guess and, like, what I'm like, trying to say, like if of. we're comping to another Judd Apatow movie, for example, like forgetting Sarah Marshall, Jason Siegel or Seagal, whatever Siegel, 
He was the straight comedy. That's what I think Billy Eichner is going to do in this. But like Russell Brand in that movie was like, not take my eyes, but not the shirt. Billy like, Eichner is like I the more. Billy like, to be you want guy. you want you want him like as an unhinged, you know? Yeah, he's best when he's he is, unhinged and he's crazy. And he's, he's like he randomly screaming, going Nate nuts, yeah. like let him go wild, like improv. You know, it's where he's but, at his best. But then again, like in hindsight, twenty twenty, like I do like how he's actually taking. I think this is taking a step, being a more diversified, like diversifying his portfolio. Right. We always talk about that as you're on the come up. You got to show you're different because you don't want to be typecasted. This shows like, hey, like you're leading a movie as like as the serious lead. Right. Not the, you know, <laughs> the straight so, gay lead. The, yeah. So uh, I think it's good for him, like going forward. So I do like that, though. So at the yeah. end of the day, like, well, it will be a watch for sure. Like any Apatow movie. And Billy, I can like you said, it's hilarious. But yeah, definitely have my uh, I could definitely see it not being as good as I hope it is. Yeah, I guess that bottom line for the conversation, if you're a listener here and you don't know the Please Don't Destroy guys, please look them up. They are so funny. They like they are the best part that SNL's had in years, like the best part of the show. Uh, that's going to do it for the checkup this week. It's time to move on to the trailer roundup featuring HBO's new trailer for House of the Dragon. All right, on to the trailer roundup this week. We had a couple, I, I mean, I would, I would say a slew, not even a couple or a few, a slew of uh, trailers this week to talk about. I think we got to lead off with House of the Dragon because it's probably the most anticipated show of the summer. Uh, the highly anticipated prequel for Game of Thrones, a focus on House Targaryen for uh, HBO uh, coming in August. So, Ricky Flex, what was your uh, reaction, I guess, instantly upon seeing the House of the Dragon trailer? It looks so Game of Thrones, and I love that. It looks very Game of Thrones. You get the the round table. You get the dragons, lots of dragons, Targaryens. Uh, Iron Throne, the politics mixed with the mixed with the dragons, mixed with the action, mixed with war, battle, the prominent characters. How long will they last? Will it be surprising deaths that we don't see? We see an eye patch from Matt Smith and then no eye patch uh, from Matt Smith as well, who looks like he's going to be a lead character here and a little sibling or family rivalry. Rivalry. All the buzzwords that you want to hear for Game of Thrones. I really like. Yes, I do have my issues, as in, I think the Game of Thrones, what was so good about it is there's so many different cultures, so many different types of people. This is all like one specific, like specific family that we're focusing on. So we do miss out on that. Definitely from the trailer, we get that. And like, of course, the comp is to the Lord of the Rings Ring of Power trailer. And that one, I think the best parts of that one is because we get to see all these different they, they talk about the elves and like protecting the forest and all the different the dwarves and everything, all the other like types of people there. And that's kind of like, I guess, like what I miss about Game of Thrones going into House of Dragon. But hey, it's four weeks away. I think this, if anything, just hyped me up more for it. And I really did like it. How about you? Looks good. Um, it's all House Targaryen, which I agree. Like, this is kind of like, I think that gives me some trepidation probably gives a lot of fans trepidation because what we're used to is jumping around in the world of game of thrones right we're jumping around westeros we're going from house stark to house targaryen to house lannister okay and then all these other parts of the world we're going north of the wall okay we're going to the night's watch here there was it seemed like after the teaser we now have this trailer that focuses solely on the house of the dragon okay it makes sense based on the title but like, if I had to see one series, would I want to see 
the Targaryens. Like maybe I would rather see the Lannisters and like their conquests, right? On um, taking up the throne and things like that. Do am I most interested in seeing the Targaryens? I don't have a say about that. I think the show looks good. I got to be honest. I'm excited about Matt Smith in this movie. I think he's going to absolutely kill it, and he's going to be like a fan favorite of this show. But I got a question for you, Ricky Flex. Knowing the limited, um, uh, the limited historical knowledge I have regarding the Targaryens or what's in the text from George R. 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 Martin, when they said like, okay, you have to choose between your brother and your daughter right i think for the heir to the throne what did you immediately think game of thrones how are they going to decide who's going to take the throne uh it's going to be the battle of uh you know uh crap you know the ring uh, you think it's gonna be a battle you think it's gonna be battle a to the death or i oh 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 you think a trial by combat trial by combat we saw thinking... some trial by combat here but is it kind of messed up that i immediately thought like okay they're gonna sleep together Inbreeding that might happen. That might happen. Right. That's just like Game of Thrones. Isn't Targaryens? Don't they inbred? Yeah, that's, that's what like, I thought that's of like immediately. A thing. Right. So I'm like, okay, you got. Oh, this choose. definitely headlines it. I'm like, Crap, this is just, like you did. I'm like, this, like you're talking about your brother and your daughter. What's what? Like, think about the history of Targaryens that they mentioned in Game of Thrones. They inbreed all the time. Like, is the fight, the battle they're actually doing, is that between those two? Maybe they inbreed and then they actually take the throne. And there's another person that wants to obviously step up. Like, to me, that could be a direction that the show takes because, like, they talk about, I mean, like, audiences talk about hopefully House of the Dragon will turn to some, like, some of the same tropes and same ideas from the original Game of Thrones. Like, what caught people's attention? It was kind of like the inbreeding stuff, as messed up as it is. Like, that caught people's attention. Like, the Lannisters, what's going on there? Then, like, obviously Jon Snow with his aunt, like... We're, we have the same thing kind of happening here. Will history repeat itself? I haven't read the books. I don't know how faithful it's going to be. George R. R. Martin seems like he has very close relationship with this show. I assume it's going to be pretty faithful. Um, but I kind of love the fact I haven't read the books and I have no idea what's going to happen here. You know, it's just like so I can have these type of theories. Uh, so it didn't cross your mind. No, it didn't, but it should have. That was a miss on me. I think that's what's going to happen now. That's like so good. Um, as in like good, as in like good prediction. No, but I also you mentioned it's interesting. Matt Smith, you mentioned he, he, this is predominantly his trailer. Him and uh, Emma, uh, what's her name? Emma, Emma Darcy, Darcy, Darcy. Matt Smith you know? is the only person I recognize, to be honest. Like you could say whatever right. name you want, I believe. Uh, well, the king. Um, yeah, recognize him. He's what's, uh, it, what's he? Who is he? He's a uh, Patty Considian. Oh, don't tell me the name. I'm not gonna know the name. Yeah, I know, but he was in a crap. What he was looks he so familiar, dude. I I would have said he was in the original Game of Thrones. Death of Stalin. <laughs> yes, he's the guy in the beginning. The guy who freaks out, like the guy yes. who was like the conductor, who's like the producer of like. Yeah, the whole but he's orchestra. in Hot Fuzz. He's like the jerk in Hot Fuzz. That's the cop. He's uh -huh. in Cinderella Man, the brother. Um, yeah, he's in a bunch of stuff. Oh, but, he's uh, the guy who like commits suicide and then like leaves yeah. his wife and stuff yeah dude right. i knew i recognized that guy's face um, good call and you don't recognize uh reese uh or right whatever whatever the oh, reese guy, of Fons. reese of yeah i'm like, not a big uh, fan of him kurt connors kingsman um snowden a uh, kingsman Ra uh, Ra rasputin yes i love him as an actor and love him, around he seems Queen. like he's gonna be the little finger in this show love that i definitely <laughs> could see that um what was up that accent 
<laughs> love that. <laughs> Didn't mean for an accent, but I guess that's a new accent, I guess. Um, but good. Matt Smith, like, definitely took the reins on this trailer, and I think he looks like he, he's going to kill it here. And, yes, he was the doctor on Doctor Who for 10 years, right? Last night in Soho, decent. Morbius, haven't seen, but only heard bad things. So this is big for him. If he kills this, then you know what? You take the Jon Snow step, the Kit Harrington step, you get back to the limelight, maybe become a superhero, become not Morbius, but do something else. Or you go serious drama, go back to the last night in Soho, but as an A-lister maybe. So I think this is big. This is even bigger for him. Looking at the trailer, it looks even bigger than I thought it was going to be. This looks like I, I like his aspirations going forward here. Like Matt Smith, I'm not surprised he's like the star of this. He's like a B-list actor. You know, yeah. Uh, he was Doctor Who. He's popular in TV. He mentioned his supporting roles. He always is like the eccentric guy. He seems like he's perfect at playing villainous roles. I think it's a good idea to take advantage of that, being like the household name for a Game of Thrones TV show. And uh, no, it's gonna do well. Uh, that's all I really got about this show. Like a lot of Iron Throne seems like they're hitting like the fans where we know like the, all the all the hits. Yeah, okay, Iron Throne, bang, dragons, bang, blonde hair, bang, like Targaryen, bang. You know. <laughs> yes. Dragon shells, bang! Like we we just know all this stuff. Like potential inbreeding, bang! You know, uh, good stuff. Let's move on to the next trailer. We got Harry Styles, Florence Pugh, and Chris Pine starring in the new full trailer for Olivia Wilde's "Don't Worry, Darling." The film releases releases September twenty third in theaters. Sorry, I'm studying my words right now. I'm sweating in my household. Ricky Flex, thoughts on this trailer? I saw you tweet about it. You said the hype's getting real. Why do you say that? This trailer was different. This one hit hard. I, I I personally loved it. Chris Pine, we talked about earlier, like we're on the Chris Pine comeback trail. This is looking like a good comeback here. Good villainous role. I love his loved his line near the end. I I've been waiting for someone to challenge me for a challenge. Like I love that Florence Pugh. This looks like this is like we always like I always thought like this is her movie. Like definitely her movie without a doubt. And it looks less like it's a partnership with Harry Styles. Uh, and her but it looks like it's like a women versus men type of thing where the men lure the women in to just because they need a wife uh in this dystopian society well like the men have like this cult fraternity to like do better in this post-world war ii era doing some serious work probably for the government something like that so it looks like it has like a potential overhaul overhauling a cult type of situation here which i like um, and it has that Jordan Peele vibe that we've talked about Olivia Wilde uh, kind of shifting to uh, from a book smart to this and pro probably more uh, projects like this going forward. Definitely like this. Go uh, definitely like her aspirations going forward. If this hits, if this hits again, this is just a trailer, but this trailer does look amazing. Less less focused on the sex or the sex appeal of this movie, more focused actually on the actual movie. And I think it's even better than uh, the original teaser. Let's not take away the horniness of this movie. This is a very horny. It's still there. This is a very it's horny movie. The very horny last two trailers, like Florence Pugh, you know, Harry Styles. They do their thing here. Um, I do feel more of the Jordan Peele vibes, even more so with this trailer, because I think it did an awesome job, like most Jordan Peele trailers do, where it does it tells you uh, about the characters in the movie and it garners intrigue from audiences, but you know exactly what's going on. No way. You have no idea what's happening in this. Uh, you have your hypotheticals, and I think you you made a very great case there. Maybe an attack on the idea of the nuclear family and like the patriarchy and things like that. Okay, uh, but it seems also like 
Florence Pugh. She's like the Daniel Kaluuya of Get Out, where she notices something's wrong. She like other people don't realize. Okay, Chris Pine looks electric in this. Okay, um, it has like a, a haze over it, almost like trying to make it look like a utopia. I think Olivia Wilde like made it look like cinema in that regard, and it looks amazing. Uh, Olivia Wilde not really doing it for me in this trailer. Not gonna lie, like I don't know. Like it's as an weird. actress, I agree. Uh, yeah, I just like I just like, I don't know. I, like I find that she's her deliveries are kind of weird, and I, I was gonna say like she kind of looks like like intentionally old here like she's trying to age oh, herself a little bit you, did you i don't I, like do I, I don't know you like, threw the old card I'm, I'm looking looking at harry styles like he's seeing with florence Pugh. i'm like i believe that couple more so like in real life than like harry styles and like, oh olivia wilde i just i just pulled out my people magazine take of the day but like that's me that's <laughs> weird um but yeah this movie looks awesome like it's good this is the reason why i drafted it last uh earlier in the week for um did you draft her me i think i did uh we did it this time around third overall you know yeah, how so we both Olivia drafted Wilde. this at one point. Yeah. Did you know do you know how old Harry Styles uh Harry Styles is versus Olivia Wilde? Harry Styles, how old? So like Harry Styles, yeah. I assume is my age at like 26. All right, right about that. No, you're not, but keep going. <laughs> okay, I'll keep going. My second guess <laughs> for Olivia Wilde, she's like 42. Okay. Harry Styles is 28, Olivia Wilde is 38. Okay, so it's not that bad, to be honest. 10 years uh if that turned 40 um they make her look older now it's like the wrinkle like red hair i agree but i you you, uh reminded me of something i wanted to bring up about when we were gonna talk about movies like how actors look yeah 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 of course you reminded me so we saw other actors in this right we saw nick kroll you know who we didn't see in this trailer who's been hyped up gemma uh gemma chan she wasn't in this trailer at all i didn't see one glimpse of her i think she's like I have a feeling that she has some type of relationship with Chris Pine in this movie, like a tight one, because she's the one that's giving instructions at the house in the first trailer. Chris Pine's talking to the group for the rest of it. So it just seems like Gemma Chan may be like the assistant to Chris Pine or something like that. I feel like she's going to have a juicy role in this movie, I think. Just like one that's kind of hidden. Because obviously, like other than Florence Pugh and Chris Pine, she might be the in Olivia Wilde. She's probably right there, like even above Olivia Wilde in terms of like prestige acting for this movie you know I just, I just feel like there's going to be something more to her character that we haven't seen yet but just a hypothetical you know we love our hypotheticals in this podcast uh yeah we'll see what the victory project is know, up to later do you know harry styles's name in this movie no like it's his character's name greg it's jack chambers sounds about right that sounds perfect for this yeah. movie so generic you know oh. And now looking at this cast list, we forgot to mention Jonah. Oh, Jonah. yeah, he's a therapist, right? Therapist. I'll just give you some pills. Those pills Yo, can't like, be good. Honestly, one of the best supporting characters in the history of comedic TV. Yes, Jonah Ryan. Yes, completely agree. Jonah. Very distinct look to him. Uh, I'm excited to see what he does outside of Veep. I think this is a great stepping stone. Good stuff. Uh, moving on with the trailer roundup. Rob McElhaney and Ryan Reynolds. We got a trailer for a. Welcome to Wrexham, a soccer club, small soccer club in England documentary. You're a huge soccer fan, Ricky Flicks, big fan of the footy. So what do you think of this documentary? Did it do it for you? Are you going to check it out? FX produced, or it's coming out on FX. This did it for me. So I usually skip 
soccer documentaries. I haven't watched the Tottenham one on Prime. I didn't watch the Man City one on Prime. I heard the Sunderland one is great. Did not watch that one. I like all these well-renowned documentaries that follow the team. Like I just don't watch, or, or just history of the team like Sunderland. I just don't watch them. But this one looks good. I, I actually really did like this trailer. Um, it's a good name. Welcome to Rexham. We got the double W's. Uh, and I just think McElhaney and Reynolds here, Double W's. they're just, they, it looks good. It sounds good, you know, um, aesthetically pleasing, but, uh, no, the double, the Rob and Robin Ryan Reynolds here, I do think, uh, they just have the personalities to carry this. Uh, and it's such an interesting story because like you see in the trailer, like their weight room looks like it's not even like a uh, elementary school weight room if you had to put one in or gym studio dude i feel no. like they bs that i feel I like agree. That, there's like, no like, way. there's no way Again, like that. i will say like just to put in perspective like wrexham they're like not like i'm just trying to like compare it to like it's like high school soccer kind of like level of soccer like it's terrible like they're not good like they're a pro sports team but like they are really bad like they're better than high school i would say like college level like a little better than college like a college a soccer, I would say a little better than that. But like you influx money in, like I bet Rob McElhinney and Rob Ryan Reynolds have done, especially for like a, a soccer team that has so much culture around it, which it clearly has, and a community. It's like, yeah, and you can see by the stadiums, a big stadium, clearly have pride there, and they have committed owners. I'm excited to see this. Um, I can understand why other people wouldn't be, but I think that even if you're not into soccer, they made this so you don't have to be interested in soccer, which I think is a key thing in a documentary. That's why Drive to Survive is like so successful. Like, all these other like 30 for 30s are so successful. <laughs> it's the other storylines. And I think that and by this trailer, they're really focusing on those. So I think this will be a success. Ted Lasso thing was a joke. But um, looking at this trailer, I find it fascinating because this is not going to be a one season type thing. Right. I, like they are starting at the bottom. Right. So it's going to be interesting when you look at multiple seasons, how much do they progress over time? It's very much testing, not only like the team, but like Reynolds and McElhaney as owners. Like, how much are they going to take this team to the next level? To me, that's like the fascinating aspect where this is not a one and done project. Because I believe they lost in the playoffs in the FA Cup last year. You're right about that. So, Looking at the passion of this fan base, like soccer culture is a very unique type of fan culture, right? Even more so than NFL fandom. It seems like soccer fandom, it's just, it takes on a life of its own. And I think having the side commentary of comedic geniuses like McElhaney and Reynolds together, that's going to make for some all, obviously not only heartwarming moments, but also comedic moments. They're entertaining just watching them do their thing. They're one of the most entertaining actors that are on Twitter right now. So just like watching them in this show, I think is going to be fascinating, you know, and uh, seeing them in a different sphere, like obviously they're playing themselves. It's not like an actual show, you know, it's more about, okay, what can they accomplish in the real world? And like, it's one of the best forms of reality TV when uh, sports, sports is one of the best forms of reality TV. So I'm very, very, very excited for it. Yeah. And just to put a perspective here. So like you have the premier league, which is like so much better than MLS. But then you have like the championship, which is like the second division in soccer. That's like kind of the MLS equivalent. And then they have League One. Okay. So the third division in English soccer. Wrexham's not in that. There's League Four or English League Two, which is the level four. Wrexham's not in that. They're in the fifth league. Okay. And the, the bottom of the is, barrel. It's five. There, and there's eight leagues, like seven and eight. You have that's a, like you have another job. 
like those are like minor leagues of minor leagues. The sixth is like that's the minor leagues, but you're focused. Fifth is like you're you're still a pro. So I guess like they're just after college or just around the end of college if you had to compare it to. But like the prospects of moving up with these two, with a documentary, with the money, there's potential there. So that would be interesting to see if they could do like a Ted Lasso thing with a promotion and relegation. That would be a lot of entertaining, a lot of entertainment there as well. I feel like Ted Lasso is going to cause a lot more viewership for this show. Honestly, I feel like it because it's talking about a lower level league and talking about like like obviously soccer culture. I think Ted Lasso, even though they haven't fully capitalized on that in this show, it's more about like the actual coach and the players themselves. Like you have a great opportunity with this show, and uh, I think FX has been low key on a roll right now, and uh, just love to see it. Mm-hmm. I started no, watching The Old Man, by the way, which is an FX show. I that is so episode. Jeff Bridges, right? Yeah, it's getting good reviews. First it's episode was good. Yep, it got renewed. I watched the first episode. It's good. It is good. Uh, I, I like it. Love to see it. All right, I'm gonna check out the Bear Severance and probably then the Old Man. What's yeah. it about? Like, what? Who? What's? It, what do you mean? Like, what's he do? It's like so. Like, I again, I've only watched the first episode, but it's basically John Wick. Um, what? As in Jeff Bridges is like a John Wick uh, with a bad history. Um, <laughs> And you've got has, a bone to pick with the, with, with, un- with the local sheriff or like what's going on? No, with no, no, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> let me restart. So this guy, Jeff Bridges, he lives alone, retired two dogs. Um, modern so guys, day. Modern day. He, he lives in a small town though. Um, clearly has like military or something background. And then someone tries to break into his home. He kills him. And then he finds out that the government's after him again. You don't know. And then you start hearing a storyline like there's this FBI agent. Uh, Welcome to the Hendersons, the main character in that. He's like the FBI agent director. He's like, hey, we're like, we're coming after you. Like, you can leave if you want or you fight us. And he's like, I'm fighting you guys. And it's him doing like John Wick shit and like fighting these guys. Welcome to the Hendersons. Is that like an 80s movie? Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say, who are you talking about? I'm like, there's Uh, no way our listeners knew anything you just said. Uh, I'm trying to think. What's this actor's name? John Lithgow, dude, you, you brought up welcome. I, I like. I thought that was who you're talking about. And I was gonna say John Lithgow. I'm like, he definitely yeah, knows John played, Lithgow's uh, name. You know, I know um, everyone knows John Lithgow. He's Lord Farquaad. Everyone yeah, knows John Lithgow. The accountant. The accountant. I was gonna say uh, he's in Killers of the Flower Moon, by the way. Um, uh-huh. But he's also in a uh, Daddy's Home. Oh yeah, true. But um, what am I thinking of? <laughs> Margot Robbie, Charlize Theron, uh, Bombshell. Oh yeah, he plays what's his face? Roger Ailes. Yeah. Nah, tough. He's a uh, tough. No. Like him versus Jeff Bridges is low key kind of fire. It was really good. Like they're like they, they didn't have any any spoiler. John Lithgow is a great villainous type of character, like actor. I think he does a great yeah. job in that type of role. It's um it's not what you ahead. think though, the first episode. Like it is good, but I'm expecting a lot more going forward. Yeah, I have no idea. I had no idea it was about that. I think of Jeff Bridges, I think of like true grit and um yeah, Chris Pine, Ben Foster, uh, Hell or High Water. That's what I think of immediately. Uh, moving on, Zoe du- Zoe Dutch and Zoe Deutsch, I think it's name her name. Dylan O'Brien star in the new trailer for Not Okay. Film releases July 29th. We also have another Hulu uh, trailer release, Mike Tyson biopic series, which we've talked about in this podcast before. Uh, the show's name is Mike. Uh, the series releases August 25th on Hulu with Trevante Rhodes playing Mike Tyson. Uh, any takeaways from the trailers that you want to? 
Discuss. I'll say the uh, Mike Tyson one looked better than the original trailer. This did look better. I'm excited um, for that, Joe. I'm excited for yeah. it. Yeah. I, I, I think I was on the, on the fence last time. Now I'm confirmed watching it after seeing the trailer. So that's good. Um, and then the not okay. I, I will say Dylan O'Brien, I think, is overrated a lot. I think just like the Taylor Swift out there kind of like just jump on his bandwagon Sweet and uh, hype him up a lot because of the like Netflix um, movie about Red or whatever. Um, Team Jake, uh, Jake Joe and Hall. Thanks the Jill and Hall song. Yeah. But uh, like, what has he done? Like he's he's runner, and that's it, really. So yeah, he's but the next Joey Flash, Bell, dude. He's gonna replace Ezra Miller. I know. I'm calling, so, calling it now. But I, but even though I just kind of hated on him, I did think like this is like this looks good for him. Like I, he, this looks like a good role for him. He I loves think he's gonna like nail playing this. these millennial type figures, even playing himself in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Did you see him in Curb? Uh oh, I, I but like I think this is different. I think like this is like the same but different. And what I mean by that is like this is clearly like a better like this is towards him. And like even though this is a, towards like Zoe Dutch, but like what I mean by like is that he's the main supporting guy in this male male like, lead, you know? Yeah, male lead. I think this is good for him. And like Zoe Dutch, like I think of every time I hear I see her, I'm like, why him with James Franco and Brian Cranston? That's oh just God, who I, she's the girl, yeah. Yeah, that's the only I can't think of anything else that she's been in, but I know like her name's always in the she's news. Big, she's a big name for some reason. Yeah, I know she's gonna star alongside Glenn Powell in the most dangerous game movie coming out. I love the most dangerous game, maybe my favorite short story of all time. Don't have so it's a show. I thought it was a show. Is it a show? Is it a show? Okay. I thought I thought I remember reading the most dangerous game. A show would it okay? Show might be better. I, I like that better. Um no, but I think this actually looked pretty good. So I actually think I'll give this a go. Uh, streaming right so i wouldn't pay to see this movie uh it's very meta to pay for a movie theater experience for this but hulu yeah i'll probably give it a go yeah i don't know it doesn't look that great to me i, I don't know if i'm buying you can kind of predict what's going like, on I, I, I root for dylan o'brien like because i I, I like maze runner like i was a fan of that first yeah. movie i never saw the rest of them to be adam honest warlock, adam warlock comic-con this weekend do we get get to see him Poulter? will polter do we get to oh see we're gonna him see him still? oh we're I definitely we gonna see too. him Oh yeah, hundred percent. He's going. Did you see that? He's gonna be there. Oh, then we yeah, we we're seeing a still. Yeah, we're gonna see him. Maybe maybe we see a first look at Guardians of the Galaxy. They finished. Uh, they finished uh, filming. So yeah. What's your um? Do you have a favorite Comic Con moment that you remember? Maybe uh, looking oh, at the Comic-Con. internet. Can, does that include Fandom? No. <sighs> I mean San Diego Comic Con. What I remember is when we had the year two years ago when we met the Eternals cast. We found out Jane mm-hmm. Foster was coming back, and then we found out uh, Blade, Marshall Ali was getting his own movie. All three of those things that came in a matter of like one panel at Comic Con, like Saturday of Comic Con, and uh, I remember like going to the bathroom and like looking at my scrolling through my Twitter, and I was freaking out because we just started the podcast, right? I or maybe I think we just started was- the podcast. Was it twenty twenty? Maybe it was 2019. Maybe yeah, we hadn't started yet. Might have been 2019, but I remember still like you, you, I was just sending you tweet upon tweet. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. But you were also sending me tweets back, like, oh my god, oh my god. Those are the type of moments we're like I'm kind of looking for. But maybe we get it from DC with Henry Cavill this year. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think Henry Cavill would become my new favorite. <laughs> I I want to touch upon uh, Mike Tyson series really quick. Someone I was looking at replies under the trailer that came out, and someone made an interesting comment because when you look at actors that look like mike tyson you look at the hair and you look at like the impersonation like you obviously think of jamie fox and who knows when we're going to get that and if you look at trevante Rhodes and you look at moonlight 
does he look like Mike Tyson? Absolutely not. He's not, jacked in it, though. Yes, he became jacked. But for me, like anyone could become jacked and doesn't make him Mike Tyson. And I think he does nail a lot of the mannerisms. And I think his accent is strong. And it kind of gives me vibes. I saw in a reply saying he looks nothing like Mike Tyson. So I would put him side by side. I'm like, you're right. The skin tone is not very similar. He doesn't have like the teeth that are the same. But jacked has like uh, the accent, right? The um, slurring of his words or uh, I don't know how to call it. Uh, what's it called? The um, lisp. lisp. Thank you. But he has the lisp, but it almost reminds me of like a Steve Jobs, Michael Fassbender type of like combination where like, yeah, Fassbender doesn't look like Jobs, but like that is Steve Jobs. It's like, I'm looking at this character. He doesn't look like Mike Tyson, but do I know he's playing Mike Tyson? Absolutely. That's like, what matters. And I think, I think the acting is going to be good in the show. That's all. I'm all that say. matters is the mannerisms. And can you believe like are they Mike Tyson or are they that person? That's what matters. Can um, you tell? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if like Steve jobs, like again, one of my favorite movies of all time, like throughout the whole time, like that's Steve jobs, but yeah, they don't look exactly like at all. So okay. yeah, completely agree. Good. All right. That's going to do it for the trailer roundup. It's going to do it for the checkup. And that's going to do it for episode one, two, seven of TDI. Uh, if you haven't listened to our earlier this week, we have so much that we went over. We did the best movies of 2022 so far. We did a draft, me and Ricky Flex. If you haven't listened to it yet, make sure you check it out. A lot of those movies that we talked about are currently streaming, so if you're looking for recommendations, check that out. Also, we're coming out with our weekly recommendations on the website and through social media, Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you're following us on both platforms. Uh, make sure you're also following us for any uh, recent San Diego Comic-Con news, one of the biggest, biggest, biggest weekends for movie news in Hollywood. Make sure you're following, like we're, when we're recording right now, Dungeons & Dragons. I know we're not big Dungeons & Dragons guys, but for those Stranger Things fans that love Dungeons & Dragons, they're just, they are now releasing information. We had a nice teaser for it. There's some like uh, stills that have come out and some information about that movie, which we're going to be sure to report along with the rest of Comic-Con news next week, next Tuesday on The Checkup. Also, we had our most anticipated movies for the rest of 2022 that dropped on Wednesday. Make sure you check those out, okay? Nope starts this week, and we also have Gray Man. Both reviews coming next week. Very busy time for the drive-in podcast. Make sure that you are hitting the follow button wherever you're listening right now. Make sure you're following also the YouTube. Subscribe and make sure you're keeping up with any of the clips that we put out along with the episodes if you're listening right now. All right. That's going to do for episode 127 of the Driving Podcast for Ricky Flex and Dr. O. All right. Until next time, we will. <laughs>